1: You're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHH LP one hundred three point five FM. Your home for community radio. Harry, good morning. I love that intro that you give me. That was that was Harry, our, our station manager, and really kind of manning the oars and keeping us afloat here at, at the radio station and with the variety of hosts and with the variety of personalities. Harry, I don't mind giving you a public shout out in you of having to accommodate the strange breeds that kind of come come into your 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 edifice and your office. Uh. Monday through Friday. So I'm I'm the strange breed. This morning, Tom Ficklin show, at every ten o'clock every Monday morning. I have the pleasure of talking with uh, really a, a gentleman and a scholar and a a, a sojourner here in life. Uh, Darren Lattimore. I haven't talked to Darren that much personally. Uh, we, we've kind of talked about a year ago and we've exchanged emails. But Darren uh, uh, has has his medical degree and he's the deputy direct, direct, deputy dean. Uh, for diverse for diversity and inclusion at the Yale Medical School, Deputy Dean for Diversity and Inclusion at the Yale Medical School, and Darren Lattimore has been here almost. I guess this past January was your first. A year and a couple uh, months. A, a year and a couple months, and we. I've, I was just kidding with Darren before we kind of went on air that this not not ne- not necessarily this town in particular, but just life in general in terms of the marketing and the the uh, fast food society to kind of re- renew your brand, to share with people who you are, to kind of remind sometimes Darren yourself each morning, who you are is sometimes always a continual kind of challenge. And this show will give us a chance to kind of get to know Darren Lattimore, the deputy Dean of diversity and inclusion at Yale medical school. We're going to talk about, Oh, so you might've heard this term implicit, implicit bias or unconscious bias. You may have, uh, you've certainly, you've heard of Yale university and what's the distinction between thriving at Yale and thriving in, in New Haven. You're just thriving on the planet. Um, and, you know, 1701 was certainly a, a pivotal point here in this in this Northeast area in terms of what was then Quinnipiac land. And I still like to refer to it as our the ancestors of this this native land of Quinnipiac. We're going to talk about so unconscious bias, implicit bias. We're going to chat, chat about Yale. We're going to talk about what the, the, the title of diversity and inclusion, what does that mean in 2018? We've heard terms like affirmative action and... Oh, human rights and and justice, social justice, etc. And uh, but diversity and inclusion in in 2018 at the Yale Medical School, and not just each of the various schools uh, at at Yale Professional Schools, undergraduate, they have people that are involved with making us uh trying to just get along, And, You know, because can we the old Rodney King? Can we all just get along? Uh, but still we have we have these structural kind of titles, and we're going to talk about structures also how that kind of impacts how people behave and thrive and then become wealthy and and wealthy and healthy, you know, sometimes health and wealth are, are related. So Darren, good morning. Good morning. And thank you so much for inviting me on. It's, It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So, so you came, you've been here about a year. And I know the uh you were announced as uh in this past no, two Novembers ago about your coming, so you even got you even had a good good two or three months kind of publicity before you arrived. So we were we were we try to get prepared for you. You know we try to get prepared. I hope that I hope that we're ready. So you brought the the Darren Lattimore flavor here to New Haven, and uh, so you know Deputy Director, uh, Deputy Dean rather for Diversity and Inclusion at Yale Medical School. What's what's that all about?
0: Um. So as um. As you just said, I'm actually the inaugural deputy dean. So I'm the first person in this position. So I'm helping to actually define what it's about. Good. Um, and in my first year and three months, I've really tried to um, do a listening tour mm-hmm. on campus and out in the community. Good. Part of why we're having this conversation mm-hmm. today to get an understanding from all the stakeholders, um, those at the table and those who should be at the table, to get a clue from them. What does diversity mean here in New Haven yes. and what does inclusion mean? What I think we should say initially about diversity in this work, it actually has expanded. Mm. So you, you spoke of affirmative action and that's when we were thinking purely in terms of African-American slash black, Latino slash Hispanic, Native American, Native Alaskan. But over time, the definition of diversity has expanded Mm -hmm. to mean many more people who come from minoritized, marginalized, or stigmatized backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Good point. Um, And we'll get to inclusion in a moment. One thing I do um, think that we need to continue to keep our eye on, though, are the historically underrepresented Mm -hmm. folks in America. Because the challenges that they bring to the table or have been thrusted upon them, I should say, are often quite different than the newer groups of people Mm. who have been brought into the umbrella of diversity. Even if one actually just thinks about the historical black slash um, African-American or Hispanic slash Latinos, I'll just take Mm African-American slash black as an example. The actual issues that, A person whose family has been here historically Mm -hmm. as an African-American or historically as a Latino versus a first generation are not necessarily the same. Mm. So putting us all in one bucket of diversity does not necessarily lead to inclusion, and it definitely doesn't lead to necessarily having programs to make sure that everybody thrives. Mm. Mm. Inclusion. You're never going to have true diversity without inclusion, Um, And I think that's where a lot of other people sort of miss the mark. They think if you just have a few of this, a little bit of that, you know, you have your little melting pot, quote unquote, that all is going to be good. The problem with that is that if you bring people in and don't appreciate their voice, don't appreciate what they're actually bringing to the table or even invite them to the Mm -hmm. table, Mm -hmm. then you just marginalize folks again. um, And you really, really have done nothing more than check a box. So inclusion actually is inherent to diversity actually working.
1: Mm, 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 excellent. Uh, you mentioned, boy, you, you give me a mouthful there, Darren. <laughs> I, I got to kind of di- digest that. And I think, that, but I'm, I'm halfway joking, but I'm halfway serious in my comment that there's a lot, there are, there are a lot of ingredients and in how things are mixed and how things are perceived and then what what the eventual outcomes are in terms of the, this, this social manifestation of people interacting is re- is really a, a fascinating issue you you it's again it's 2020 you, know, you came in 2020 20, 2017 why was there a need you know why is there why was I don't want to say I know you want to be employed and I know you like horses and I know you like to live <laughs> I know you like to travel but why was there even a need for I mean we had things going on here at Yale prior to your coming and certainly there are people that were in parts of those pieces of the puzzle in terms of their job duties uh I think performing well, but what was the, what was the the, the the tipping point or the need from your standpoint? You've been, you've been here a year, been able to reflect, you've, you've worked on the West coast and in, in, in student services and, and you're, you're, you're a doctor and you've been in, in, involved with various causes, uh, particularly uh, health, health mal- plagues, if I, if I can use that term, but, but why, why in 2016, 17, 18 was there a need for this first, when you say inaugural, the, the first deputy deputy dean?
0: So Yale isn't really all that different than most of academic medicine. So institutions like Yale, medical schools in that the faculty diversity has not, has not increased significantly over time.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, If you look at um, the, and I'm just going to use general numbers, the faculty who are African American, we're talking two to 3%. (laughs) If you look at the faculty who are Latino, Or that next, you're talking three to 5% in the nation. Way, way, way underrepresented Mm. relative to our numbers in the general population. Mm -hmm. So when you say in 2018, why is there a need, then it is simply because we are not making the progress Mm. that one would think we would have Mm -hmm. made by now. Mm -hmm. And even if you look at gender, yes, way more women are going into medicine, medical school classes are 50% plus women, if you look at leadership in academic medicine, then again, it falls off drastically. Mm. Um, and so that glass ceiling for women in many cases is still there. So at the, the faculty ranks, the diversity is still a significant issue. And as hopefully we'll talk about, that clearly, clearly has an effect on the quality of patient care, health care uh-huh. and health care outcomes.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: And so again, mm. this is not just Yale. I'm giving you, unfortunately, yes. the national um, mm-hmm. picture mm-hmm. of where we stand mm-hmm. today.
1: And again, uh, good good morning to everyone. And you're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show. And and <clears> uh, Darren Lattimore is here with me, the de- deputy dean, the deputy dean for diversity and inclusion at Yale Medical School. You, you reference something, and we're going to go back and forth. And, and Darren, I'm publicly, I'm, I'm inviting you now to come back. You know, I said this before. So in about four or five months, I need you to come back because I think you said, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think you said that in terms of medical education, there's an impact on, on, the, on the, the, the patient based on, and I'll be blunt, the, the race of the service of the provider. Absolutely. Um, there is definite data um, that would
0: suggest that when you have concordance meaning the same race, um, at least for African-Americans, um, when the physician and the patient are the same race, the patient tends to feel that it is a more productive relationship. Their communication is better. The trust is better. um, Compliance is better. Now you need more time to know if the outcomes, actually the health outcomes are going to be better or not. But from a patient perspective, there absolutely is a difference when you have physicians of the same race versus not, at least for African-Americans.
1: Now, and you're not, you're not saying, I mean, that that's, that's, that's kind of a, a bombshell statement you've just made. It, it might be routine or m- mundane for you to, for you to articulate it, but that's, that's really a profound statement. So if I'm a white doctor, you're saying I cannot be as, as competent dealing with my, my uh, patients of color. I'm, I'm no, I'm not saying oh, that it's okay. impossible. Absolutely. I'm <laughs> not saying okay. that.
0: And I'm not saying that individual physicians don't vary mm-hmm. because, unfortunately, African Americans have the same unconscious bias as the rest of the world. We grew up all in the same milieu. Mm-hmm. So we actually have bias against our own black patients, too. Mm-hmm. What I am saying is if you actually survey black patients, you will see in the large sum mm. that mm. black patients who have black doctors. Have better satisfaction mm. with the experience. Mm.
1: Again, mm.
0: the data mm. hasn't isn't out yet as to do they actually have better healthcare outcomes.
1: Okay, that 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 that's really helpful to clarify. And again, that's another reason I'm going to have, have you come back because we're just going to we're going to you know the tip of the iceberg as they say. We're going to, but all, so you referenced your responsibilities, and we're going to dig down in terms in terms of your responsibilities a little more on terms of faculty. But you also have responsibilities for the and you'll paraphrase you'll define better what I mean by responsibilities with the staff and students. This is correct. And I have to be honest with you. My first year, I spent
0: more time with faculty and students. I need to actually think through more of how I'm going to be more beneficial to staff. So at the faculty side, a lot of what I've been trying to do is train um, my colleagues around unconscious bias Mm. so that both we will hire more faculty of color and that um, the, the faculty who are here that are of color will feel more included. Mm. So in mm. my year, um, I have done over 41 trainings on unconscious bias, mm-hmm. mainly at the medical school, but also in the community. And I've trained over 800 people. Cut it out. Um, yeah. And so really, again, the goal is to get my colleagues to understand that our biases, which are unconscious, mm-hmm. you know, it's not intentional. hmm actually are putting people of color and women at a disadvantage for getting hired hmm. um, and promoted, not at an advantage. Unfortunately, society, since the advent of affirmative action, a lot of dominant society thinks it's the minorities who have the upper hand, mm-hmm. who, um, who are going to get the jobs. Well, again, the data would strongly suggest that if you are a black person, it takes you a lot more um attempts at trying to get mm. a job than a Caucasian person mm. 15 CVs for black versus 10 CVs for a white person and even if just your name is difficult to pronounce no matter what your race or ethnicity is mm-hmm. it puts you at a disadvantage for getting the job unfortunately the um the narrative the society has created exactly the opposite that people of color are the ones who have the easy mm. um and they're mm. the ones who are going to get the mm. job first at the expense of Caucasians, mm-hmm. i.e.,
1: Trumpism. Mm-hmm. Well, now see, now see your throat, your throat. <laughs> there, that's not fair. I'm supposed to be the moderator here. That's not fair. Now he trying to redirect the show. The show is not. It's not about the, the, the 145th imposter in, in, in the people's house. That's, a, that's another that's another show. I thought you'd get, let that would give you a smile. Uh, <laughs> so, so that's been a big part of the job is actually training and
0: getting people to understand our biases mm-hmm. so that we have a higher likelihood of actually hiring a more diverse group of people, and not just people of color, just more diverse yes. in general. Another large um, um, part of the job at the faculty level is me actually listening Hearing people's experiences and, again, from their perception, what is going right and not going right Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. at Yale School of Medicine. And why this is important is because being a deputy dean um, has allowed me to be at the table. Mm -hmm. So it allows me Mm -hmm. to bring these perspectives to the table of which many in leadership do not hear on a regular basis. Good point. Good point. So I like to call myself a person who
1: is a voice of the people. Indeed. Indeed. And you, you are, um, I, I mean, I'll say it publicly. It's not a big secret. You are, you are in a pivotal, pivotal position historically, you know, first inaugural, but also, although the medical school is small in terms of number of students, the Yale brand, the Harvard brand, um, the people that are in, let's say positions of power at the old medical school, they really do have an impact on what's, what we consider to be medical culture, medical medical, uh, the medical industry, the pharmaceutical industry, the research industry, the, uh, the genetics. I mean, you mentioned just all, all the, all the medical explosions you're, 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 you're in contact with people that have influence beyond just a little, little old new Haven to, to say it, to say it mildly. So that, that's important if you're, if you have a chance to kind of not necessarily, uh, invade their consciousness but to kind of uh commune with their with their consciousness that that's a key thing we hear this term unconscious bias implicit bias do you and you've worked i want you to share a little bit with with uh with folks you listen to the Tom Ficklin show and and, and Darren Lattimore is here dean of uh, deputy dean for diversity and inclusion but you've worked on the west coast you've worked in other, other medical institutions um are you optimistic about people being able to, to accept and participate in your training and then to modify their behavior, unconscious bias, implicit bias, and Google those the implicit bias test in particular that any people that you can take online, but are you optimistic about this, this, uh, I won't say social engineering, but the op, but the possibility of modifying improving people's behavior, if, if so, particularly if something is unconscious, which typically means I'm blind to it. I'm not in touch with it.
0: So I've got to be honest. This is one area I have been pleasantly surprised at Yale pleasantly surprised at um, the receptivity of um, the message.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I um, i really hit it hard. It's, I don't walk around it. It's very clear what the message is by the end of my sessions and my workshops. I have gotten um, or I have received emails almost every session I give. I receive emails, phone calls thanking me. Mm. And talking about how the conversation has continued on in that department, in that clinic, et cetera, et cetera. So I am very optimistic that it actually, at least immediately after the conversation, leads to change Mm -hmm. or leads to thought. The science, though, around unconscious bias would suggest like everything else, it wanes over time. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those, you need that vaccination periodically. Mm. Um, you need to somehow bring the conversation back up in the same way or a different way over time, or we will revert back to mm. whatever our normal biases are.
1: Mm-hmm. 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 And you you, ref- and you referenced the, again, Google uh, implicit bias. There's a test you can take online. Speaking of Yale, one of the, the early kind of progenitors, inventors, creators of the, uh, implicit bias test started here. You know, there's also a department here. You're called the, at the, uh, the graduate level, the social cognitive development lab that kind of is, is an extension uh, of the, of the unconscious bias uh, situation. Um, you mentioned, we mentioned faculty Students, you're going to get to more. Well, staff, you're going to get to more. How about your student interaction? I know I've received some some emails from some of your staff about you're, you're being in the community and holding events for the students, and, and the wintertime kind of interfere. But oh. I, but that, but that but share with share, share with the audience that you're just not working at this this ivory tower and you're just not sitting at the table where the big the big wigs are. But but you're you're you've been expanding. and That's what's intrigued me. The way you've been creating communi- community interactions.
0: So one of the things that um, that's really important to me is to develop community at the faculty and at the student level. We'll talk about the students right now. And what I mean by community, again, is that minoritized, marginalized, stigmatized folks being able to find a safe place to come together, a mm-hmm. safe space. Um, and any department, any clinic, there may not be that many of us. Mm-hmm. But and we may not know who exists throughout the university because it's so large. So one of the things that we've actually started doing since I've come is first Sunday. Good. Um, Good. And literally what we do, rain or shine, Mm -hmm. first Sunday of the month is we find some kind of a venue just to come together. And it's usually between three and six o'clock. It started with the medical school and the graduate school. Now we started inviting the nurses. Mm-hmm. Um, we mm-hmm. started inviting the public health students, and as you spoke earlier, we've actually started inviting the QUIDPAC students of color to come. Mm-hmm. So again, my whole goal is to develop community, a sense of we amongst the people whom tend to feel more marginalized in these environments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The goal is really to hopefully helped our learners our students medical or graduate students nursing students public health students find a place here where they think that they can actually thrive and eventually hopefully stay on as faculty because again like i said oh, that's a good we point. That's need good. yeah we need at the faculty level more diversity so um, one way of doing that mm-hmm. is to start thinking of our students as the pipeline to our faculty oh, good point and yeah. the more um positive their experiences are as learners here, the more likely they could envision themselves staying here as faculty.
1: That that, that, that That's key. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but just bear with me because as, as, you, as you talk more every time you, you're, when you guys mention something, five other questions come to mind. So I have to decide what what, what I want to jump to, but you're involved with also we, we spoke oh, about a year or so ago about, we've had various attempts of, of summer recruitment. We talked about pipeline. What came to mind, mm-hmm. my mind was Various attempts for student recruitment and even working with high school students, and you've you've revised, you've revived that, re- revised that to some degree. And I think put your your own brand on how to kind of uh, go about that moving forward. Are you are you comfortable in chatting about that a little oh, bit?
0: absolutely. So we have a couple of summer programs or summer programs programs period. Um, as he just discussed, we have a high school program which is longitudinal so over about six month period of time where we bring students in and how I've revise that is I'm specifically targeting schools that have more socioeconomic challenges mm-hmm. um, and schools that are actually within New Haven mm-hmm. um, and the goal there is is to hopefully help students see what is possible so they come onto our campus oh, we good. have a curriculum good. they come on um, um, Saturday um, like I said for several months they get to see medical students who look like them nursing students who look like them, graduate students who look like them. So not are we only imparting knowledge about what it means to be a doctor and healthcare disparities, i.e. how they can help their own communities mm. to become a doctor, mm. but we're also showing them role models of people who well, look that's, like that's key. them. That's key. Um, so yeah. that's one way um, we've enhanced, in my opinion, our high school program. We've actually created a new program at mm. the college level. One thing that I, um, often see universities do again yo know, not being unique is helping everybody but the folks who are real local
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: and um so it was important to actually start a program that truly helped local folks right. and so we actually are partnering with Gateway and Housatonic I hope I'm mm-hmm, saying that
1: Husatonic mm-hmm, yeah, community College and, mm-hmm. they have, and they share the same president yes these they days. do whom mm-hmm. I
0: just met with again about a week and a half ago actually developed a program specifically for those two local community colleges, which is our summer program. And it really is a pre-med immersion program. We teach some of the upper division science courses. Hmm. Um, we teach about how to get into medical school. But again, more importantly, we get to, they get to see medical students and graduate students who look like them. Hmm who've mm-hmm. actually gone to community college and actually made it to Yale. Mm-hmm. Um, so my real goal is to inspire a group of people who often don't get the same sort of resources mm-hmm. as people who go directly to a four-year institution and definitely don't get the same resources as people who go to a four-year institution that's an Ivy League.
1: Mm. I was I was just thinking this, this morning before coming into the, the studio, Darren, uh, for, for whatever reason, Doctor Dorsey Kendrick kind of crossed my crossed my consciousness. The former president of Gateway Community College, and 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 Doctor Paul Beatty is now uh, the president of uh, of of Gateway, but also he shares the same he wears. He's also the dual kind of presidency of Husatonic Community College. And again, with your being from the you you were born not on the West Coast, I know you were born on the West Coast, but these words Husatonic and Quinnipiac might be a little, a little strange. But again, those were the the native people. So I love the, the always the opportunities to kind of lift up that. We stand on shoulders. We're walking on the bones of people that might not have had, had, have had opportunities to thrive and, and maybe their healthcare might not have been too good with, with, uh, with, with, with with with, 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 with germs that were kind of came from the, from the, from Europe. But that, but I, but I, but I, I digress. Uh, the, the Dr. Carol Burks is our new superintendent of schools. Try to try to follow me here. She's, she starts actually today. And just when you're referencing the, the interaction between gateway and who's and, and, and local high schools you know people can always criticize who the superintendent of the day might be but unless you have this infrastructure at least unless you have the various institutions cooperating and having similar and synergistic educational goals, no superintendent's going to, going, to, going to succeed you know he or she might be able the walk on water so just I guess appreciate you're your, your mentioning that kind of kind of network and that infrastructure that, that you're that you're creating because uh, that's what su- sustainability and, and 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 continued success is all, is all about so I, I, I want to commend you about that.
0: And, and we as a society have to realize that there is such structural racism and stru- structures in place that keep the disadvantaged disadvantaged and keep the privileged privileged that um, we all have to work together. One mm-hmm. superintendent, one person in charge of community colleges, one Darren Lattimore for that matter cannot change this tide it it really has to be a Mm we because at this point there's policies procedures that are in place to keep the system or status quo as it is i'm not saying any one person is actually purposely trying to do this but society has Mm -hmm. created Mm -hmm. at this point Mm -hmm. so we Mm -hmm. have to really work as a family Mm -hmm. if we want to lift up the boat Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I love that that, that when you mention the family, because, again, what comes to mind, I'd like to remind people, though, there's kind of a, a stretch, but it's, it's scientifically correct. But still, it, uh, emotionally, it doesn't really connect with most folks that we all come from from one family in terms of, you know, East Africa, etc. But that's kind of a stretch for folks. But um, you mentioned. And, and even if they can't connect to that,
0: hopefully all of us can connect to we are part of the same humanity.
1: Mm, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I love that I, including people that are in the people's house in, in, in pennsylvania avenue okay i mean you do have kind of black sheep in the family that, 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 that that's I'll get, that's every family just throw that out you know what i mean I just, 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 but at the end of the day they're
0: still family they can still
1: come to the table for thanksgiving <laughs> for thanksgiving they can sit on the end sit on the end but, but not up front but sit on the end uh You again. You're speaking with uh, uh, and seeing. I have the pleasure of Tom Ficklin here at the Tom Ficklin Show every Monday morning at ten. And Darren Lattimore, Doctor Darren Lattimore, uh, uh, is here with me, the Deputy Dean of the uh, Yale Medical School for Diversity and Inclusion. You referenced something. This phrase called health disparities, which it's been around in the the literature for a while. uh, And I had a chance to kind of go attend a nine month workshop through the Connecticut Fellowship, actually, through the Connecticut Health foundation uh, on, on this topic. And I've been involved with media and marketing and, and newspapers, et cetera, and publishing for a number of decades. But even the, the the health disparity issue was kind of a, a new term to me as, as recently as almost 10 years ago. Um, but it's, it's, it's become more popular, not popular, but understood that there's a reality to it, but, but break it down, talk to us a little bit, because in my mind, it it impacts what we, what we started off talking about the, the, the nature of care and the success of care.
0: So um, you're right. It's about in 2002, the Institute of Medicine came out with a landmark report called Unequal Treatment that basically said that people of color tend to get poor quality health care and therefore have poor quality outcomes, Mm. even when you control for economics, education and other social factors. So, even I, as a deputy dean, very privileged individual, as a black man, if you were to take another physician who happened to be a Caucasian man, the odds were that their health care was going to be of higher quality than mine. Then, actually, a year later, the Institute of Medicine came out with another report and said, you know, we in healthcare have to take some ownership of this. Mm. This is not mm. just patients of color being non compliant. Um, but we, as physicians, clearly, and they didn't use the word bias, but basically, that's where the started incorporating the, con- the concept of bias in how we were treating patients um, was leading to this un- unequal healthcare outcomes. And what if you look, it's across the gamut. If you look mm. at breast cancer screening, mm. you will see significant differences by race, which is one of the reasons why African American women are the most likely to die from breast cancer. If you look at kidney transplants, black folks by far have more hypertension and therefore kidney disease but are much, much less likely to be offered a kidney mm. when the time comes. Eye exams, people of color are much less likely. We're the ones who end up going blind from our glaucoma, et cetera. You look at cardiac disease, multiple studies have shown that. That if you're an African-American person compared to a Caucasian person, you are less likely to be offered the latest, greatest treatment, Mm. Mm. more likely just to be offered a pill. If you're coming in in pain, even with a broken bone on x-ray, if you're a person of color, you're less likely to be offered pain medication than a Caucasian person. Again, there's a broken bone on the x-ray. And then lastly, mental health. We are much more likely to be misdiagnosed with diagnoses that are more around um, aggression, etc., cetera, than our Caucasian counterparts. All of this getting less of, or being misdiagnosed leads to healthcare outcomes that are worse, be it diabetes, be it cancer, again, be it end stage kidney disease, be it strokes. And so, It's unfortunately, it's very real, Mm, and mm, it leads mm, to mm, morbidity and mortality that is totally unnecessary mm -hmm. in marginalized and minoritized communities. Mm.
1: So that I mean, (laughs) Darren, that's a that's a mouthful, there, man.
0: And actually, it's really interesting because now, actually, to loop back to unconscious bias, Mm -hmm. now there's actually been some studies done where you actually, as the study that you were talking about, and I'm going to just suggest one, the Harvard Implicit Association Test. Doctors actually take that test and, based on the results, determine the level of their unconscious bias. Because most physicians will say they have no conscious bias. Mm-hmm. They, you know, mm-hmm. I don't see race. You yes. know, I treat all my patients fairly. But when you actually determine their unconscious bias, there is a direct correlation, quite frankly, with patients of color, specifically African Americans, trust of that doctor. Communication of that doctor, willingness to actually mm. refer that doctor to a colleague. Mm. So um, what's very interesting is the physician does not feel or see what they're doing, but the patient perceives, Perceive, perceives, it. A, perceives mm. something. Now, they're not probably not going to say, well, my doctor has unconscious bias. Uh, yes, They just know their doctor, something's not right with mm-hmm. this relationship, mm-hmm. which is, gets us back to why I think that patients who have physicians of color are more likely to be happy with those interactions.
1: Mm, 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 mm. That, that, that 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 that's profound. Uh, uh, I am just I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: So that's at the individual level. Again, I really want to get also reminders of that structural racism. So as you as you may or may not know, audience, only about 30 percent of your health care really is dictated by. Uh, I'm sorry, only about 23% of your health is really dictated by the health care you get. The rest is dictated by what we call those social determinants uh-huh. of health. Where do you live? Where are you educated? What kind of job do you have? What resources do you have access to? And so if you're living in a high crime area, low education, high stress, you from a healthcare perspective are going to be um in a bad position relative to somebody who was fortunate enough to grow up in a community where they can walk across the street to a nice park that is safe and they can exercise every day if they so choose to, and never have to think about drive by shootings. And so those aspects of life, literally the everyday Mm -hmm. parts Mm -hmm. of life Mm -hmm. probably affect our health more than actually the healthcare that we actually have access to. So, we cannot forget the structural isms mm. in our society mm. if we're truly going to improve the health mm-hmm. of our communities. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you I mean, you say almost up to 80 percent or, or uh, that is separate
0: is uh, is social determinants of health. Mm. Um, so where you live, where you live, your zip code. I mean, you can look at a zip code and add up to 10 years to somebody's life or subtract up to 10 years from somebody's life purely based on where they live.
1: That's why you got to come back, Darren. you're you're just you're just te- te- teasing us now. T- t- we're, again, you're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show, and Darren Lattimore, the deputy dean of, of diversity and inclusion at the Yale Medical School, is committed to coming back on the show. Uh, you re- you grew up on the West Coast. Share with people as we kind of con- conclude. We have about eight or nine minutes. The fact that you, in spite of everything you've said, you, you've uh, graduated from undergraduate. You secured your medical degree. You, you worked in medical institutions before. That's, that's kind of a journey too. What uh, t- share with us a, a little, little bit about that. I mean, you can, you can start from a, what kind of inspired you or just uh, what, what got you involved with this, this kind of issue or where, where you derive your satisfaction in terms of your career. But I mean, just you're, 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 roughly, you're how old are you roughly give
0: or I, take? I'm 53 <laughs> so, years 53. old. So you've been, Although I've stopped counting, so I might be off a <laughs> you, year. You know,
1: you're you're around in that area. So, so you've been around the track a little bit. But again, so you know, t- twenty years ago, thirty years ago, you you were starting. Thirty-five years ago, starting your your journey, your your academic journey. What was going on then in your life that kind of caused you to, or what what kind of you, if you want to throw a shout out to your grandma or to some investors, but you know for you to get that jump start, I always like to kind of end when people that have been reasonably successful in their life so far to kind of just reflect and share with others. Something happens when you're in that 18, 19, 20, 17, 16-year-old area.
0: Well, well, I think I'm going to have to start back further than that. So I'm going to be real quick about this. Great. Thanks. Um, My father decided he was going to rob a bank when I was about seven years old to support his heroin addictions. And so my mother and and my family, we moved to low-income housing. So I grew up poor in America. I love to say I was born with a rusty spoon with jagged edges, Mm. not the silver spoon. And so growing up poor in America and trying to navigate as a black man, that and education um, has really informed the way I see Mm. the world now. Mm. So I so I can look at diversity Mm. and inclusion um, based on my own personal experiences very differently than someone I think that who grew up privileged. My grandfather, if I had to say who was the biggest inspiration, mm-hmm. who definitely was my hero, was my grandfather, mm-hmm. whom was exactly mm-hmm. the opposite of my father. My mm-hmm. father, who had a rough life himself, mm-hmm. again, was drug-using, working intermittently. My grandfather never missed a day of work. He came out of rural Alabama with an elementary school education. Mm-hmm. He got to California because that's where he was stationed in the military. And so my grandfather was a very hardworking person. And so he is the person whom I think, if I had to say who I've modeled myself mm-hmm. after consciously mm-hmm. or subconsciously, it's him. Mm. Um, If I have to look back and think of words of wisdom, mm-hmm. who they tend to come from, it was my grandfather. Mm. Mm. One thing I do want to throw out there is a lot of our role models and people who actually um, help us advance don't always look like us. Mm. Mm-hmm. So in high school, I think one of the biggest gifts I was given was I had a teacher, um, Joan Foster, I'm not sure if she's alive or not still, she's an English teacher, she found a sponsor for me because we couldn't afford it. I got my first gig of, at 13 years old, and I've worked pretty much all the way since then, um, to pay for me to go to a suburb program on the UC Berkeley, Berkeley campus mm-hmm. um, for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it co- like I said, it cost money. I couldn't afford the enrollment. So she found somebody who didn't know me from Adam's Apple who paid for that for me. And I was actually going to college for six weeks. Now, again, yes, in retrospect, yes. I was not. But yes. at that age, I was going to college. Yeah. And Berkeley, you know, and on the West Coast, Berkeley is yeah, yeah, ow, it's the crims of the crims. That's right. I could do it. I could sit in those same chairs like
1: everybody else. Well, guess one the points, so, so I'm smiling because so when you see the, the high school students now, I mean, you must, you must just be, your heart must be just smiling like, like crazy.
0: You bring the circle of life comes but, back around. But,
1: so, but, but continue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and so that high school experience, I think is what really told me I could do it really, hmm. honestly told me that I could do it. Um, and that is I ended up going to Cal,
1: mm-hmm. you know, no Under-
0: surprise mm-hmm. at, for, for undergraduate. University
1: of California at Berkeley. At Berkeley,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. For undergraduate. There was a whole lot of bang booms um at Cal. Don't misunderstand me. Um, it was not an easy experience. Um, mainly because there were a few people from my economic class um on the campus. At that time it was quote unquote affirmative action. So there were way more people of color on the campus then than there are now. Mm. Um fast forward went to medical school at UC Davis and what made me decide to go into diversity is because after I was a um a full-fledged physician working at Kaiser I was starting to mentor the younger generation of students medical students and residents of color and they were basically saying the same thing that I said about mm. the isolation the marginalization the feeling like I really, they, like they really didn't belong as yes. I had felt. And so that is what made me decide, you know, I got to get back in it. I got to get into education. Mm-hmm. I got to um, start trying to figure out in a very systematic way, how do I increase the diversity and how do I improve inclusion? And that was, has sort of the journey that I've been on professionally since
1: then. You know, and it's, it's such, such such a pleasure to, to have you on the show and I'm glad we're kind of concluding I'm not glad that we're concluding but again you're going to come back but just as you reference it's important for people to hear that I think the human resources department and the and the committee selection committee made the, made the made the right choice. I think they made the right right choice here uh cuz I'm sure you 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 they've seen that story and so when someone lives and breathes what what, what 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 we're trying to accomplish this is something that you you can use your conscious and your unconscious energies to kind of get get move 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 things forward. This 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 is a blessing. This this is a blessing. Share with people as we conclude. uh, You kind of skipped over, and most uh, doctors and PhDs that I talk to, um, they're so modest because they don't want to kind of wear that on their sleeve, but you practice medicine. Well, well,
0: I did until I came here, actually. I practiced medicine until I came to Yale. um, Up until coming here, I specialized in HIV care Mm -hmm. and transgender care. And one of the reasons I specifically... Chose HIV cares because again, when I was coming of a age, um, people were dying of AIDS. Indeed, I had family members die. I had very close friends who actually died, and so once again, I felt that that is where I was see, needed.
1: See. And and just as we conclude the, the, disappointingly and soberly and somberly, the the incidence and and prevalence of aids of AIDS among our populate the black the people of color population and women that hasn't necessarily subsided.
0: No, it has not, unfortunately. And there's multiple reasons and work to be done.
1: And, and just, just work to be done. So you, you got a lot on your plate, man. You got, got, got a lot on, on your plate. Again, this is the Tom Fickley Show. We've had the pleasure of, of chatting with Darren, Dr. Darren Lattimore, uh Deputy Dean of Diversity and Inclusion at the Yale Medical School. Darren, I want to, give you the last word again, you're going to come back, but we've covered a lot of things in terms of healthcare and health disparity and structural racism and unconscious bias and implicit bias. And just how do we kind of make the society a, a healthy and wealthy uh, situation for, for everyone? Any last words that you'd like to share? I mean, you, you've talked about your community involvements. Uh, uh, you've only been here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited when you come back to hear what you're doing next because after it guess a little over a year, you've, you've really been accomplishing a lot. So uh, any, any last Last words you'd like to share before we kind of conclude. Well, my
0: last words are if you do come from a marginalized, minoritized, or stigmatized community, continue to strive, continue to keep your head up, continue to work towards excellence. Our voices are needed at the Mm. table. If Mm. we're ever going to change our society where everyone benefits from the greatness of America, we have to be at the
1: table. Keep Mm. moving forward, my people. Mm. Make America great. We're going to do it. Darren, thank you so much. and Harry, thank you. Paul Bass, thank you. It's been a pleasure to kind of chat with everyone, and we'll talk to you next Monday. And again, Darren Lattimore is going to to be back. He's going to be back soon, even if I have to kind of uh, travel along with him to one of his medical conferences or whatever. Thank you so much for inviting me. All right.
0: Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing Better watch the way you're going, better go in the right direction In the moment you're stressing, but you're gonna be counting blessings And I know that for certain, keep on working, open curtains Haters swerving cause they ain't ready for your final version
1: I'm never gonna give
0: up, give up, fall down, I just gotta get up, get up Cause this is my run, less camera action, I'm ready to go